All right, man. I think we're live. Let me check, let me check my little camera here and make sure we're good. Yeah, not bad. All right, man. So we're on. We're live. It's the trucking guy. You guys already know where you're at. We're here no with what? Uh, TJ. Let's go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Tell us uh, what you guys do, where you're at, and what you're about. So this is it? There's no intro music? That's it, man. No intro music for okay. me. Okay. I'm going to okay. get one eventually. I just don't have one yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm TJ. I'm with Ironwood Transport. I'm the owner over here. We are a motor carrier. We we started out doing hot shot. We're moving into semis now. We still run hot shot, but we're we're doing a hybrid fleet kind of thing, kind of similar to what you're doing, Aaron. But uh, that's where we're at. We're based out of uh, Central Kentucky, uh, just south of Lexington, but we operate everywhere in the country. So nice. So you guys run what, like everywhere? Or you run the Midwest, Southeast, Northeast, West Coast, or what do you guys primarily, where do you run? We, we, we primarily try to stay in the Northeast, the Midwest. You know, that's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of where it's at, right? So that's, that's where we try to stay. If you look at your little map on the back there, that's basically where we try to stay. Yeah. I see you got the no-go regions and everything like that. So we definitely try yeah, to stay out of California. And, uh, yeah, we try to stay out of California and yeah. especially – south florida with the fuel prices right now so that's that's where we're that's kind of where we're staying for the most right. part yeah so that's that's kind of what we try to do too man and just stay in that in that same region man and, and stay out of the west coast especially with the way fuel prices are right now you don't want to go out there man you get beat up bad um so what do you guys haul man what you know let's talk a little bit about you know your business and what you guys haul so i heard you say a minute ago you've got some and i already know but for the people watching, you got some hot shots, you got some semi stuff. I know you guys just purchased one, right? Uh, and you're getting into the semi more and more. But uh, what, what primarily do you guys haul? Anything and everything, or construction, or what? Well, we stay in the in the flatbed realm, especially with hot shots. Obviously, um, I, I don't do any. Uh, we don't do any auto carrier stuff. We've just found that for the insurance prices, it's not so it's not so much worth it for us. I think it is worth it for a lot of other people. We typically stay away from that. We try to target um, industrial and commercial customers more so than um, personal automobile owners and that type of thing. So we try to stay away from the auto market. General freight, a lot of raw materials, a lot of construction materials, a lot of, um, I mean, you name it, HVAC units. Um, you know, our PPE standards for everyone allows us to go into places that a lot of people wouldn't think they would want to go. So, you know, we're going into all the manufacturing facilities, we're going into the plants, we're going into oil and gas because we meet all right. the PPE requirements to do that kind of stuff. Right. So that's primarily what we try to target, um, especially with the hot shots. And, so me, um, and yeah, the, I, the, I know we were talking before and I think you had put, you know, you got a couple different things that you're doing, but are you guys pretty much all doing CDL or do you have any non-CDL guys over there? Hundred percent CDO. I, I've uh, that that's advice that I got from you. Is just stick with with uh, CD. Look, here's the deal. Well, see, it's hard enough for these guys to make money as hot shots um, with a CDL. Coming into the game without an, without a CDL, it just makes it that much tougher. You know, if you're hauling, if you're if you're only able to max out eight or nine thousand pounds on a trailer, you're basically limiting yourself to partials a lot of times. Mm -hmm. That's what we've found. So we we try to we try to. We, we primarily stay within the CDL hiring market. We've made exceptions in the past. You know, if someone comes to us, say, hey, we got three trucks, but one of them's non-CDL. But if you take out one of us, you got to take all of us. We've, we've right. made those exceptions before. So Right. So you, so you switched over that model in the beginning. You guys had a couple of the non-CDL. You're doing all CDL now because of my recommendation. 
And then you guys stepping up now and, and you've been in the semi space for a little bit. And I think you guys just bought one, right? Yeah, I, I started the company off with a Ram 5500 and a 32-foot gooseneck. Quickly learned that, um, you know, the trailer was too short. That was one thing. The trailer was too short. Um, I, I really needed to be able to scale 20,000 pounds. That's that's something I learned from you, actually, because, um, you know, I got into the, into the hotshot game, started the business, had one company driver, and, uh, you know, we put that driver in there. I had the 5,500, 32-foot trailer, and it just wasn't working out. We were, you know, it was a single cab. It was a day cab, hot shot truck. We were paying for hotels. So I'm like, man, I need some guidance. So I found you because I followed your YouTube channel anyway from the beginning. And you're like, look, this is what you have to do to scale your business. This, 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 and this. And that's what we've done. So that's kind of, that has allowed us to propel our growth in the first year significantly. Awesome. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. How did, what, what did you come out of? I know, you know, I know the story, but let's let people know what did you come out of and why the hell did you want to get into trucking? Like what the <laughs> F were you thinking? You know, it's my sure. first question because everybody asked me that, like, how did you get in and why did you pick trucks a random space, you know? So why did you pick it? How did you pick it? And what are you, what, what were you doing or what are you still doing on, you know, on the side from this? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's an odd story. A lot of people ask me that too, especially guys, owner operators coming into it. They really want to know what my experience is and how I'm able to run a trucking company that they should work for. Right. So I, um, my, my grandfather owned a diesel shop. Um, you know, my, my almost, I have so many family members that have driven truck their whole life and I've been indirectly involved in truck driving my whole life. And I never actually drove truck myself. So you know, everybody says you got to have all this experience to do it, that type of thing, or you get a mentor like you, right? So I, um, I, I actually work as an engineer. I'm, I'm an automation engineer in the industrial space, and I do, um, I do like a lot of electronics and, and manufacturing type of sensor work and troubleshooting and consulting. And, uh, you know, I just, I've always, I've always liked trucking. I've always adored the industry to us in a sense. And, uh, Wanted to, I've always wanted, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, so spirit. So I've always wanted to do something. And after a while, just, I, I started doing research and doing more research and I can always tell if I'm going to like something <laughs> by, if I get into the research, you know, a couple of weeks and I'm like, I'm bored with this, but that never happened with trucking. I just kept learning more and learning more, reaching out to people, talking to people, seeing what their successes and failures were. And, um, and, and I just kind of, you know, I just took the leap, man. I just, I said, I'm going to do it. Right. Um, you so, know, a lot of people, a lot of people thought it was crazy, but here we are. Right. <laughs> so you guys start, I think we've been working together. What now? It's been a few months now, right? Since you reached out to me and, and uh, actually got in the program and stuff and, and, and uh, got rolling with us. It's been like six months. Yeah. Oh, it's been okay. like six. Yeah. It's been like six months. So I think when you guys when you guys first reached out, you guys had what like uh, two trucks or something like that. I don't remember it right offhand. I had one truck when one when truck. we first started talking. It was our company truck, and I still had a company driver. And I started to quickly learn that I, I needed to supplement the business's revenue with owner operators, or it just was not going to make sense because we didn't have the capital, right? We didn't have the capital to keep buying trucks and buying trucks and buying trucks because you don't really make enough money with your first truck to keep doing that. That progression takes so much time. Unless you have a lot of upfront capital, it's really difficult. So, um, you know, when I reached out to you, you kind of gave me the model, right? You kind of gave me the model, the blueprint, and following that has allowed us to 
to really kick this thing off in the first year and get ourselves to seven trucks. COVID, we kind of lost a few drivers and dropped down to five. And and I ended up selling our hot shot because I realized quickly we want to get a semi. And um, you know, now we've got a semi that we're putting on the road soon. And um, I'm putting decals on it right now. So that's a huge step. I it's for me personally. Growing up, not having a lot of money, it's like, man, I just bought a semi. And that's just so rewarding. And it makes the, uh, you know, going back to your mentor program, it just kind of makes sense that without the mentorship, there's no way we would have had the exponential growth that we're seeing. I've got um, all in-house dispatch now. I've got, um, you know, I've got an awesome, I got a rock star team of folks that work in-house as W-2 employees for billing and dispatching. And then, you know, we're we're a majority owner operator company right now. That's that's who keeps the freight moving. That's who does, you know, all the legwork out there on the road right, right. now. And then we get the semi on the road and, and I'm going to start that company truck fleet. So, yeah. And that, that's a, and I have a few mentors myself. In fact, I'm meeting with a guy next week who's doing 100 million in, uh, in his brokerage and he's got 150 trucks. And, uh, and wow. so I'm pretty excited about that. But, you know, it's like I was talking to some people. I went to the 10X thing this weekend. And I was talking to a lot of people and, you know, that whole buying, you know, into, into the 10X grant card ownership and all these programs. And then, and they're like, you know, kind of the same way I think is like me and you are both very smart people. You're a very, very smart guy to be an engineer and do what you do. You could have probably figured it out. You know, there was a good, you know, 75, 25 chance you were going to succeed no matter what you were going to figure it out. But I think that, and this is my opinion, you can tell me what you think about it, but getting with a consultant or getting with somebody who's already figured it out. All they do is accelerate the growth period. All they do is save you time. You know, you're paying money for time saved that you would have had to go figure all those things out step by step through the school of hard knocks, kind of like I did. So when I, you see a guy like me who's willing to sell off the information or willing to consult or work, you know, I kind of feel like it's the same thing as paying, you know, a, a, a consultant or, or joining in with Grant Cardone's program or buying into, you know, if you're in food service, you get into, you know, whatever, and you learn what you need to learn to remove those roadblocks and pitfalls and, and bottlenecks so that you can level up, you know, that's kind of what I think. What do you think? hundred percent. And, and um, I know that's true and it's not just nonsense because um, the, the few companies that I had talked to initially starting this out, they had two and three trucks and I'm like, man, that's awesome. How long you guys have been in business? How long does it take to get three to five trucks? These guys have been in business for three to five years to get three to five trucks. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, right. there's got to be a quicker way. How do I automate the processes? How do I make it more efficient? How do I how do I get a call on Monday from a driver and have him hired by Friday? Right. How do I make this whole thing more efficient? And the only thing I could come up with, I mean, I could I was working 16 to 20 hours a day some time, just just exhausting, trying to research and figure things out. And it's like, you know what? Why don't I just hire a consultant and see what they can bring to the table? So you were my first call and it just happened to work out because I know there's a lot of uh, gurus in the industry who claim to know what they're talking about. But yeah, I think we all know how that goes. Had that talk a few times. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so, and, and, so, and, and, and uh, so so what do you think? I mean, has been the biggest takeaway back to my, my third question there. What do you think has been the biggest takeaway so far? I know there's quite a bit, you know, like when we actually send you the PDFs and I give you the you know, the lease on and the, the whole procedures and what to do and the, the idea around it. But what do you think has been like one super important key component? And I know that's hard to kind of pick one out, but because they all go together and, and make a system. But what do you think has been a key component that's probably saved you money and or advanced you, you know, further in the in the, in the process? Um, I think I, so. First of all, the biggest thing is culture. 
I, in my opinion, it's our culture. I, you know, it's a hundred percent transparency with, with everyone in the company, you know, it, th that's the biggest thing. And guys appreciate that. And whenever I'm doing an interview with a new driver and they don't believe me, cause everybody hears that they're like, Hey, everybody tells me they're transparent. And then they fabricate documents and tell me I'm getting paid some, something different than what I should be. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you know what? Go talk to my drivers and I'll give them two or three contacts to, to contacts in the company during the interview process. They talk to the drivers, you know, and um, the drivers half the time don't even know they're calling. So they kind of get ambushed, but right. it's uh, it, that has been transparency and culture and um, making sure guys get paid on time, no matter what guys get paid. That's the thing. That's, that's one of my biggest thing, no matter what happens, my, my team gets paid, you know, right. I'll, so that that's been two of the biggest things that I've learned from your mentorship that I've implemented into the culture in our company that has given us a lot of success in our first year. And, and, and everyone from the brokers to the drivers themselves really appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. And that's, that's a hundred percent, right? I think I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's culture. And I, I preach that a lot, man, building a culture in your business where don't add people or puzzle pieces that don't fit. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I appreciate it, guys, for watching. There's a few people that tuned in. But anyway, man, what, uh, you know, one of my other questions here is, do you see value in it? I mean, obviously, you paid money, you know, you traded money for time with me. Do you see value in the consulting with us? I mean, the, our, you know, I think our top program is like $5.99. You know, next year, we're probably going to raise it up or maybe end of this year. But you got in at a good time where we were still new with this whole consulting thing and helping people build their business or grow their business. Do you see value in actually trading money? for time with us or our, our companies to, to help, you know, accelerate the process or kind of figure out some of the issues where you may be having problems. Yeah, it's very valuable. You could triple the price and I would still pay for it. That's not a sales gimmick. I really mean that. Like it's because our profits have increased so much from day one that we started the mentorship. Um, and like I said, I don't want that to sound cliche or salesy, but it, it is what it is, man. I mean, uh, it, it's um, it, it, you can't really put a value to that because you know, my hopes and dreams for building a company are are coming to fruition. That everything's working out. We're paying the bills. You know, the business is 100% cash flowed itself, right? And that's important. If I don't have to keep injecting my own personal money into the business, that means it's working. So it's working now. And um, that is 100%, um, 95%. You're because of your mentorship. The other 5% is me just working my ass completely <laughs> off half the time. <laughs> Work your ass off at anything you do to be successful, man. But I appreciate that. Sure. I know when we first talked, I think one of the first things you said was, how the fuck can you sell this so cheap? You were just like, man, I, you know, it should be twice. The value is way bigger there. But I told you, I said I wanted to prove concept and help X amount of people before I increase the price. Because everybody's selling a program for 3000 5000 you know, crazy number. But this, in my opinion right now, this is a side hustle. I don't value that. This is not my primary bread and butter. You know, we actually run a trucking company that's successful, you know, that we're pushing, you know, almost over 50 trucks now and uh, on to the limit, you know, we're going to keep going. But I tell people all the time, you don't know what you don't know until you get to that roadblock with the guy that has 50 or 100 trucks or 300 trucks or whatever. You know, there's things I don't know. And so I'm constantly trying to be around people with 300 trucks or, you know, more trucks and, and a bigger business doing 100 million a year so I can relay that information on down to you guys, you know. But even now, we still do calls, and this has been, you know, like you said, six months ago. We're still have a great relationship. We're still working together because I love to see you guys succeed, all of my clients and mentees, because I don't want to just leave you hanging. You know, I try to give as much value as possible. So I know you call me sometimes with a question or just to shoot the shit because we have a good relationship. Yep. And it's been a good process, you know, to make a good friendship.
So there, there, uh, there's nothing there's nothing better than when a driver or someone calls me and says, "Hey, I'm in a pinch with DOT out here on the side of the road, and uh, I just want to call you about this." And I don't have a worry in my mind. There's not there's no better feeling than saying, "Hey, get out your binder. This is in there." And the reason it's in there is because you've already told me ahead of time that had to be in there, right? right. So <laughs> I, I've got I've got I've got everything outlined. I've got the orientation. I've got I mean, without giving away all of our secrets here, I mean, everything's there, you know, everything's there. They've got um, everything they need to be successful during a level one, two or three inspection with DOT. And there's no better feeling, you know, because it's like it's like if if this typically um, businesses are very reactive and I think that's how they fail. They'll they'll get they'll get into these roadside inspections. They're like, well, I guess we know now. Well, now you've got to pay $5,000 for a mistake just because you didn't have a document or something silly like that. So happened to one of my clients the other day, he had to pay $8,000 cause you know, he was trying to push a truck that had a, a, you know, he couldn't get the IRP set up. So he's like, screw it. Let's just go to work and we'll deal with it later. And he gets pulled over and gets the citation, but then they charge him because the base plate that he had personal plate was up to, I guess, 10,000. So they, and he weighed forty some thousand with a hot shot load, CDL hot shot. So they charged him for thirty thousand pounds worth of overweight. So it was like eight thousand dollars in citation. And it's like one phone call to, to to me before it happened could have you know alleviated that problem. But I know a lot of people, like you said, get a reactive instead of proactive, and they're just doing right. what they gotta do to survive, or in their mind what they think they have to do to survive. Um. So where do you guys see yourself going? That's another big question I like to ask my clients. You know, just to so you the the. The, the, you know, interwebs or whatever can kind of hear, where do you see yourself in the future? Like, what are your goals in the next year, two years, whatever? So it's, we, we have a sequence. Our, our goal is to get a semi. That was our first year goal. We did it. We got a semi. We got a 48-foot flatbed. We're putting a driver in it. We're putting uh, one of our best drivers in it. He um, kind of ran on some hard times. I think I told you, actually had his truck stolen. He's an owner-operator. Yeah. Had, his, had his truck stolen in Las Vegas. So I'm like, you know what? It's time to buy a semi. We're going to put him in it. So that's what we did. You know, we're going to lease it, lease it back to the company. You know the right. story. So, um, so the, the first step was getting a semi in the company. We, we got that goal knocked out for the first year. Um, for, for 2022, I'm going to get two more semis. I want to, I'm growing our fleet. Um, actually, today's the first. And um, we wanted, to, we're, we're at uh, five, six trucks. We're, we're balancing five, six trucks right now, plus the semi. Um for the next two weeks, we're on a hiring blitz right now. We're trying to get, we're trying to get, we got 30 solid candidates right now, stove ready to, oh, ready, <laughs> ready to be oh, interviewed. So, so by May, I'm looking to be at 10 to 12 trucks. That's the goal. And then once we do that, I want to add two more semi trucks in 2022, uh, company trucks. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I want to keep that progression. I want to be at, at, 10, uh, 10 to 15 and this year. And then I want to be at another 10 the next year. And, um, we might, we might, depending on the insurance, how they treat us, we might have to slow down once we get to 20, you know how that works. Right. So, yeah. Once you so, get 20, they start considering you an actual fleet and then everything changes and you got to kind of get it, you know, the whole program together so that whenever you start floating they're they're on the same page with you, you know, we're getting into that 50 level now. And I'm finding that it's a whole nother ball game that they they want a, a more of a microscope up your ass than I've ever thought would possibly happen. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever it is, what it is, you know. So yeah. So put- that's the that that's the immediate you know next three years, and then we have uh, call me crazy. I think I've talked to you about this before, but you know I come from an aviation background too, so we are heavily exploring going into the air freight business and buying a cargo plane in the next 
hopefully in at year five. We'll see. I don't know. That yeah. we need to get some. The, the first step was a hot shot. Second step was some semis, and then we're going to keep that progression till uh, till yeah. we can. Uh, also talked about you even getting into the broker space, right? I mean, you know, that's kind of an idea or goal or plan. Or you guys were going to get into that, or wanted to, or may have already, or something like that. Gotten into the broker side of it to kind of get so, into the freight, you know, or moving more trucks and kind of expanding that way too, right? So that actually has already happened. We, um, I got a bunch of, um, we have a bunch of direct customers. And it seems like people love working with us, right? You know right. what that's like, right? Yeah. So people people like working with us. So I'm like, you know, we got all this. We got so much volume right now. I can't afford to hire trucks fast enough. So I'm going to open up a brokerage and I'm going to have to sell some of this freight. So that um, our authority for the brokerage went active. Um, that went active about a week and a half ago. So nice. um, instead awesome. of Ironwood, instead of Ironwood, it's Rosewood Logistics. It's a separate company. It's owned by me, but it's you know it's um, we're out there. So let's let's talk about that for a quick second. I mean, I, that's awesome that you've expanded into the brokerage space and the semi man. I'm just I'm I'm more than ecstatic for you guys to be able to grow like that quickly in such a short amount of time. And it's cool to see it in six months where you started with me. With they were a startup kind of. You know, we're growing a few problems, had some insurance issues. And we'll, I want to touch on that for a quick second, too. But let's talk about uh, direct customers and how when you called me, I said, you know, you're like, man, these rates suck for Hotshot back then. You know, they picked up and went down and now fuels up and everything else. But um, let's talk about that for a second. Kind of like what I said about how we have to get direct customers if you really want to see, you know, a real business grow out of this thing. And then you started doing it and it just kind of happened for you. Let's talk about that for a second. You know, how important sure. the business I'm sorry, say that again. How important has that been to your business, getting direct customers? It's the most important aspect of it. Besides having drivers to carry that freight, having direct customers is the most important part. And, and a direct customer to me can be a broker too, right? I've right. got uh, one of my, be my best friend is is a broker with, uh, with Axel Logistics. Shout out to Axel Logistics. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but they that's one of that's a broker that I consider a direct customer because they're just awesome, right? right. Um, we've got a few other brokers that we consider our direct customers because they call we're one of their preferred carriers, right? Right. Um, but then there's also we have manufacturers and fabricators and and, and in the industrial space that call us directly. Um, a lot of times it you can't just set your price with these guys. I think there's this misconception where oh we get direct customers we can charge them. Four dollars and fifty cents a mile with a hot shot. That's not the case. It's it's not. You got to be competitive because if they're calling you, they know how to call all the other carriers too. Right. So you know you you got to be you got to know what your fuel. It, it's, all, it's always it's always going to be competitive, and that's what I tell people. It's like you know what? Yeah, you might get a set rate of three dollars a mile on a hot shot with a customer, and people are like, oh, I can do better than that. And you may be able to here and there, but one thing I try to point out is that the consistency is where you save the money. Because instead of going and hauling for a different customer, different person, different shipper, different commodity in a different place you've never been before with things you don't know, there's too many variables that can go wrong. You know, loads cancel, they don't want to ship, it's not ready, yada, yada. When you get in with that direct customer, you have a consistency built in and a trust built in that kind of, you know, that, that slow and steady tortoise wins the race type of thing is always better in my I, I like consistent, steady money. I mean, who doesn't like a big buck too? But I'm more, if I have one or the other, I'm going to bet, man, and I'm going to pick. I'm always going to pick that slow and steady because it seems to always work out for me in the long run, you know? You got to build a good, steady, reliable relationship with your customer. That's that's a big one. 
It's got it. You got to have some reliability. They're going to understand. You got a truck breakdown, it blows up, catches on fire, runs out of gas. They're going to understand when that happens every once in a while. But if you're late for every single one of their loads, that doesn't look good for you long term. And that's that's where they're going to pay a little bit more for that other carrier. And um, so if you're that person that gets paid that little bit more because you're more reliable, yeah. You'll, you'll get some good business. And that's kind of, that's our experience. I kind of learned this and I used to have a client and I kind of dried up a little bit. They slowed down, but they used to make armored vehicles and they called me on one and it was like, I got to take it to a, a big, you know, show or whatever. It was like at a, at an indoor IX center type of thing, you know, like an event. And they said, we need you to bring this in on a certain day. We need you to take it off, drive it in through the door, take the gas out of it, push it into the spot that it needs to go to set it up. You know, then come back, you know, a week later, pick it up, put gas in it, yada, yada. And it had to have like a police escort to get into the building. And this thing was like a government contracted, you know, armored vehicle. And they're just like basically name your price. Well, I'm solving a problem. And I, they trust me because I've been doing their, their normal route at a base rate. So at this one, I can name my price. And it's like I come in to solve a problem. At that point, I can name my price. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's kind of where you, you know, you're going to pick up on some and, and name your price on some, you know, deals and then other deals, you're just going to make it consistent across the board. You have to be competitive, but you got to get your foot in the door in order to make those relationships is what I tell people all the time. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have a customer kind of a similar situation. Like I said, I come from the industrial automation space and I'm familiar with that type of stuff. We have a customer up in Wisconsin that does these uh, robotic mowers and I struck up a relationship with the, their operations manager because I was like, man, have you guys thought about doing this with the equipment? Have you thought about doing this? And we had a good long hour long conversation, just really struck up a relationship. And now these guys are coming back to us consistently because they realize that on the other side of the phone, we're more than a trucking company. You know, there's a relationship there. We're real people, um, you know, and people, people really appreciate that. And they'll just, they, they continue to use us because we're reliable. We're consistent. We're friendly. Our dispatchers are awesome. We keep our schedules tight, you know, yeah. and uh, our prices are competitive. So on something too, you said a minute ago about how a broker could be a customer. And that's, that's so true. And somebody on here might've said, how is that possible when they're a middleman or whatever? But at the end of the day, there's some brokers, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this too, but there's some brokers, like I have a friend who's a broker, right? And he's one of the biggest brokers for one of the biggest equipment rental companies in the country. And we've been working for him for years. A lot of people, if you all load word loads, probably know the guy. You're And you can't go around him. You're not going to go around him. He's been doing it for 30 years with this company, right? He's yeah. the guy. So if you try to go around him, there is no going around him. He's the guy. And that company is only going to trust him and not anybody else, right? He controls the majority of certain markets and he has a few agents underneath of him. But uh, I've known him for a very long time, but it's like, you're not going to get that direct. That That is as direct as it gets going with him. Sure. And it's like, so building that relationship, what I tell people all the time is once he trusts me and I have his number and I build that relationship and I'm in an area, maybe I'm on the load board and I see that load pop up and it's posted for two or whatever. And I call him and say, Hey man, and he's like, oh, hey, Aaron, yeah, I see. I got a truck over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, for you, I could probably do 25, you know, or whatever, or three. And we cut the bullshit out right away. There's no going back and forth because he's. I've already proven myself trifold 100 times over. He already knows if shit goes sideways because we've been in a sideways situation that we're going to remedy it the best way possible. And so that trust is there. So that what? That, how is that not a direct customer? That's a direct relationship. You know, maybe, yeah, it's not a, a manufacturer or something like that, but he's a shipper of, of – yeah. 
the biggest shippers in the country. You know, so what do you think about that? That's the same thing, right? So, yeah, and there is this common misconception. You see it all across the industry that brokers are trucking companies' enemies, and it is not true. And I just want to say that publicly for everyone to hear. They are not. There's some bad ones out there, just like there's bad trucking companies. But there are a lot of good brokers out there. And basically what you have with a broker is is you have someone to negotiate fair market rates on your behalf to a customer and organize the load schedules. Because a lot of times with direct customers, they don't have a whole shipping and transportation department. So unless you're really organized like we are or your broker is, um, for the for the logistics side of things, you're you're really going to have a hard time lining up all of your direct customer loads with the direct customer because a lot of times with their shipping stuff, they just pile up a bunch of stuff where the forklift is and say, well, we got to get it out of here sometime. But a broker, a lot of times, will will have that stuff strategically organized and 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 uh, you know we do too because you know we're a solid uh, we got a solid team. Right. But if you're just a one man crew out there running in a truck, it's really difficult. And, you know, you got to, you got to look at these brokers, good brokers, if they're giving you fair market, you got to know what fair market value is too. A lot of guys think that fair market value is $18 a mile. Getting fair market value and trying to get above or right at. Yeah. Make that more than 99% of the time. There's days you're not going to get it. You know, as well as I do days, we have to get below fair market value and it sucks, but we just have to make that the 1% and not the majority. You know, absolutely. Fair market value or above that to have a successful company. So yeah, that that's my biggest takeaway there is is that Did you still Yep. Yep, yep. Looks like I'm still in the stream, so um yeah, so the big takeaway there is just Understand what your fair market value is. Your brokers are not your enemy. I'm back. I went, I went out of there for a minute. You got me? Am I back now? <laughs> I was talking to your uh, – I was talking to your – the audience? Your, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I did a little dance and stuff for him, so. Cool. Anyway, yeah, so I don't know where I kind of got cut off there. But anyway, the, the, the value of, you know, just, just having that, that relationship and getting it done and getting fair market value and making that the majority of the time and not the less. So there's going to be days you don't get fair market value. You just have to make that the the 1% of the time or 10% or whatever and keep the trucks running and, and make the, the majority the fair market or above fair market, you know? Yeah, and, and the brokers the brokers will keep you honest. I mean, a, a, a good broker will keep you honest. They know the market. They've got they've got the subscription to freight waves. They've got, I mean, they know what's going on in the market for the most part. There's some that I think we know who they are. They they don't, and they'll just they'll they just hit you with ridiculous prices because they don't understand the market. They might eventually, but um, you know, the brokers can be a very good tool for you to understand the market. And they'll keep you honest if you're like, hey. You canceled this load, so I want a twelve hundred dollar truck order not used. They're gonna be like, no, industry standard. That's what you're getting. Yeah. You know, and, and they'll keep you honest. Right, and that's the way it is, man. And, and in order to do this long term, you're gonna get beat up. You know, I've got guys calling me right now saying, I, if I don't get four or five dollars a mile, I'm out of the business. Fuel is too much. Blah blah. I just did a video on it the other day. I don't know if you caught it, but I actually broke down the numbers on what fuel is actually up. And I was actually doing another one with hauling cash, and he did a really good one which inspired me. Uh, and it was basically, you know, the numbers come down to like 30%. It is up. It's up, but it's up like 30%. So why should I, as if I'm a broker or a customer, why would I pay you $4 a mile when you were doing loads for $2 a mile? 
So really all I should give you is $2.30 or $2.50 a mile instead of $4 a mile. Where the hell are you coming up with these numbers and pulling them out of your ass, you know? So that's what I've been telling guys. Is like, you can go park your truck. By all means, do it. Please do it. Because all I'm going to do is stay in it, and I'm going to continue to make money and just stick through it as a tough time. And for all the guys that go out and hang it up and get pissed off because they can't get $4 and they don't really know their numbers, I'm going to capitalize. You know why? Because as they remove capacity in themselves out of my way, I'm going to add capacity. And people are going to come to work for me that we can actually make the money work and make the and move the freight, you know? That's kind of that's kind of what we experienced during COVID. Um, we yep. kind of experienced that same thing. Guys were talking, threatening to park their truck, that type of thing. We lost a few guys over it. They're just like, look, if I yep. can't make if I can't make three dollars and fifty cents a mile consistently, um, even when I'm even when I'm in a bad area, you know, we tell them how much they pay us. That's that's their mentality because we're the right. one providing a service, and that is true to some extent. But you have to be within the fair market value, or you're not competitive. You're right. just not. Um, Unless the, the only the only ex- exception, guys, to that rule, somebody commented on there, well, you may be able to do this once or not, but not twice. And, and that's true. But you, the, you're going to get fair market rate if you're hauling generalized, right? If you get into specialty, if you get into something that's heavy haul, you get into hazmat, you get into whatever, and you go out there and you beat the bushes and you sell it, you can dictate your price. Because there's, there's that, nobody really in the space to compete with, or not much, anyway. Where there's less competition, you're going to see more reward, right? So you have to get that exclusivity. If you're hauling airplane engines like Southern Pride, and you have a contract with Boeing, well, guess what? There's probably two, maybe three people in the country that even have that contract. So you're at a whole different level at that point. You know, if you're hauling jet fuel, you're at a whole different level if you got tankers, right? If you're hauling whatever... And you're in a special, even heavy haul, right? You get in a heavy haul, they say, you know, there's not that many people doing it. Insurance reasons, the level of driver that you need, yada, yada. And, you know, the permits and, and the headaches that go into it, the having escorts and, you know, facilitating all that logistics. Of course, you're going to get paid more and you can demand a premium. You can't demand a premium over fair market rate for doing something that every time they can Harry in a Walmart parking lot's ready to do. You have to do that's fair right. market rate. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, um, I forgot about that. That is one thing during COVID leading up to now that has set us apart. We we realized really quickly that we were just right off the bat, we were just doing what everybody else was doing. So we were like, how do we how do we take it to the next level? How do we do this a little bit better? And we started taking on oversized loads and we got real good at it. Yeah. And uh, that's become our special. We started talking. Right. And I said, hey, you got to yeah. do five loads and it's super easy. Everybody thinks it's really difficult. But especially yeah, that- into that 12 foot wide and under. And using like permit wizard and just banging them out, and, and you're getting four or five miles. You know, it's it's too easy. And I started watching. Um, I also um, I started linking up with John Seidel over Trucking Wins. Yeah. And um, yeah, he was. I, I had a damn bell, ding 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 ding. <laughs> that fucking guy right there, man. I tell you what, he has put me it- in contact with more people that have hundred million dollar companies than I can even count on both my hands and toes, man. He's he's a great guy, really good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, and I just recently because I I watched one of your videos. I recently um, started watching uh, Holland Cash, that dude over there. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not. I can't remember his name, Danny. but um, Danny, he's a good Danny. friend of mine too. We're actually doing a conference. We're gonna announce here probably in July, maybe. I, we might get you a ticket, a free ticket to come out. We got to get okay. some people out there, man. We got some other speakers gonna be there. Maybe John. I think I've okay. got. Him, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'd like to meet. I would love to meet John. He's he's just my kind of guy. You know, I'm I'm prior <laughs> military. 
I'm prior military. I don't know if he says it, but I, I can tell that guy's prior military. I can just yeah, tell. Yeah, I think he actually did. I, think, <laughs> I can't remember. I think we were talking. I might have had a couple drinks. But I think he had uh, had some military. It was a short-lived thing. <laughs> but um, what I do know is that that guy can quote any regulation out of the book from his head and tell you who's wrong and who's right. Yeah, that book that dude, tells every regulation that, in that thing. That dude has every one. He's got every page in this book memorized. I just it's crazy. It's like man, and that's why he's so good at his job. He's just like he's like this man with that yeah. stuff. I I send him an email every once in a while. I'm like, hey, I'm kind of stumped on this, you know, and I'll type it out. Send him the email. He emails me right back, and he's very blunt. He's very frank. Yeah. You know, he's one of those guys, and he just tells me straight up how it is, whether I like it or not. He's like, this right. is how it is. So he's um, good, man. I, he's, I, he's a godsend to me and my company, and he's put me in contact with some cool people. I actually just went out to one of his seminars and learned a bunch while I was there. He had a few people that put out some really good statistics and some insurance guys that, and a couple different other consultants actually that uh, one guy that was like in his late seventies, that's been doing it since he was in diapers and he gave us some really good information. Uh, but yeah, man, great plug. And, you know, that plug that we're talking about, John is John Seidel over at trucking wins. Go look that up guys. If you're still watching the video, and you've made it this far. Go look that up on Google, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. He's all over the place. John Seidel trucking wins. Really great resource. Yes, absolutely. That's a good plug. Much more expensive than me, but much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know it's all it's all relative. Whenever you whenever you grow the company to a certain point, it's like it's like you start to realize how these things pay for themselves. Your mentorship, uh, John Seidel's uh, mentorship, and his side of it. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. Um, if you don't have if you don't have you know, somebody really close to you that's been doing it their whole life and you're like me and it, this is, there's no better place to start. Yeah. If you're going to start a company, if you're going to start a trucking company, call, call, you know, get a mentor just like you, you and, yeah. and, uh, and really so propel that. There, man. It's like, not, I'm not even the best one. I mean, I might be, you know, pretty damn good, but I have mentors as well. And I tell people that I wouldn't be where I'm at if I never got a mentor, I, I would have went out of business. I was this close to going bankrupt before I found Shaggy's Cult Consulting and Training. And my good friend Shaggy over there helped me out and, and, and showed me the owner-operator business model and, you know, pulled us from our freaking skin of teeth, man, into, into profitability that we've been able to. And then I even was eating it and kind of coached me and pushed me into wanting to be a, a mentor. You know, he said, you need to go out there and teach people too. You know, I can only do so much. So I think, you know, mentors are so important, man, and, and they bring so much value to the table, you know. So you yeah. guys, are gonna, you're hopefully going to be, you know, a 20-plus truck company. You know, you're doing it that slow and steady way, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's awesome. You know, and you guys went from, you know, one to five or six now, and I'll see you easily be 10 at the end of the year. You know, and I've got some guys that went, you know, to 15, 20 trucks in six months, but they took a lot more risk than you were wanting to take, you know. But I see you easily being it. You know, you could be at 20 right now if you wanted to. You guys are smart enough. And you, you work hard enough, I can see you easily growing. So I see you by the end of the year, next year for sure, exceeding your goals, you know? Yeah, we're building the foundation for that for that right now. And I tell my team all the time when we have our weekly meeting, I'm like, what we're building right now, if you can't see it with the five set to seven trucks that we have right now that fluctuate every once in a while, um, what we're building right now with our TMS system, our accounting system, I mean, everything – from how we bill every day to how we pay everyone every week to how we um, to how we book our direct customers as opposed to um, our dispatching every day. 
that is a system that we're building that will work with 20 trucks if we needed to bring on 20 trucks tomorrow. Right. So that's what we're building right now. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll, we'll, by the end of this year, we need to, we're, we're really pushing for, uh, I'm pushing for 10 trucks by the middle of June. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Cause so as soon well, as we make that. Go ahead. No, I was going to say after we get uh, that, uh, that renewal insurance down payment made, right. I'm going on a, right now we're on a hiring blitz and I'm, I'm lining people up to get them on um, come, come May probably right. sooner actually. So one thing I want to do just to kind of throw out a little, you know, freebie for uh, the last, you know, three people that are, that made it this far in the video. Most people don't make it past 15 minutes, but for the one or two or three guys that stay this long, what do we talk about in mentorship? Let's throw it out there, man. Like what, what are some of the things that, that uh, we talked about on call one Call two. I mean, I know it's been so many since now, but what are like the the things, the key points that you can remember? Like where we where we start? We started on like organization, the owner operator business model. But what other like little takeaways? I mean, it, it, I mean, go right into details, man. I don't even care. We're just gonna tell them what's in it. Yeah, it's um organization. You said it. That's the first thing. Um, where are we currently with compliance? Uh, where are we at with safety? Where are we at with accounting? Um. How much of that can we automate and make as efficient as possible? That's the biggest thing. Um, make sure that you have a, a, a sturdy legal structure for your owner operators bringing them on. You need a good lease agreement. That's a big one. Um, a lot that's of people kind of get- provide you guys, right? We actually give you the yep. lease agreement. So that was something that's prepared by a lawyer, 45 page document that you would have had to go pay somebody probably at least a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks to duplicate that. You know, you were able to get that plus mentorship, right? Yeah, and I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of people coming on who who start the onboarding process. So that's another thing you need an onboarding process, right? right. Um, a lot of people come on and like, why is your <laughs> lease agreement forty five pages long? It seems really excessive. Right. Um, all we're doing is we're setting the expectations. If people understand what the expectations are, typically there's no issues. Um, you're going to learn what expectations you need to set along in the mentorship more than anything. But um, you know, like you said, if you don't know, you don't know, right? Right. You can either learn the hard way and it costs you a lot of money right. or you can pay a little, little bit of money and hire a mentor. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, just in the lease on procedures, the termination procedures and the calls that we have to kind of say, hey, this is how you need to set it up. A to Z. This is what you need to do. These are the questions you need to ask when somebody calls you. And that way you can weed out the, the basically the dummies from the, the quality people and stuff. Do you think that that's helped? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because there, there are certain. Um, they always say, "Don't ignore the red flags." That's something I've I've learned the hard way um, in the past. You know, uh, the biggest one is arrogance. I I see that sometimes. You know, in the interviewing process, that's that's a non-hireable for me. If I got someone who's really arrogant, you, you, if they're that way in the interview process or, or uh, with us and with my team, I quickly learned that 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 arrogance grows exponentially when they get oh, out yeah. into the into the field and they they'll make mistakes or they won't admit when they're wrong and gosh it's just like you know yeah, it, it, I think it if, if i remember right and again i've talked coach so many people now but i think we had a few people in the beginning that were kind of telling you what they will and won't do after you hired them and i was like just fucking fire them and get other people and you're like yeah i know but you know that's money man i don't want to let you all the money yeah so, but it, i think you ended, up leading them, you ended up leading them out right over time and or, or oh. them into a better deal or something right 
that's that's exactly right. There have been a few that we I just had to terminate. I mean, there's been a few that just did not work out. Um, there's been a few that we did themselves out based off if we set the standard, right? We set the standard. Um, we want everyone to feel like an entrepreneur. If you're, if you're coming in as an owner operator, obviously you want to own your own business. You want to run your own company. That's great. As long as you do it compliant, you do it safely, you, 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 you do your logs properly, you interact with DOT properly, that type of thing. But yeah, I mean, there's, I hate to, I hate to use the word terminate and fire, but look, we've had to do it. I mean, there's yeah, just, there's just, too. yeah, there's just been some folks like that are just simply said, not a fit. That carries over. If they're going to be a problem or real picky and choosy or telling you what they are and won't do, you know, that carries over into the, into the, 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 the culture. And like, you know, that's one of the big things that I preach on. I put it in my book. I put it all over is that you have to build a culture of what you will accept, what what you expect of that individual and what you want to what your services are. Your culture is your service in your company and what you sell. And if you're if, if you sell a culture that's all over the place, well, you don't really have a culture at all. You know, so that's I think building that culture, like you said, in the very beginning is key to it. You did, you did a great job at that. You got a great team. You did a great job. You're going to continue to grow that. I know you will. Um, but yeah, I mean that it comes down to just you know your your hiring processes and getting good people and putting them you know and it's like I say this all the time you know hire talent, train the talent, incentivize the talent, and grow a team, and then it's just about adding and duplicating the process. You know, that that's one thing we got going for us right now. We got a rock solid team of drivers. Um, we had a rough start. <laughs> we had a rough start learning learning about the 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 um, the market of drivers that are out there. We had a rough start. You know, we had uh, the, everybody that started with us is no longer with us. You know, we had to uh, weed out a few people. Um, but the people we have now, I feel like they're probably going to retire from. <laughs> yeah. from they're, they're just, after you get that process figured out, you get good people around you. And then, like I said, you just incentivize them to stay. You make the offer so good that, you know, they don't want to leave. And I've got guys that have been with me now six, seven years, and I don't see them going anywhere. They're happy. You know, some days they call them bitch a little bit, but, you know, I smooth it out and I try to make it a good ride for them the best possible. Because at the end of the day, the driver is everything, you know. It really is. So you got to take care of them, but you also have to ask me a mutual respect thing, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I tell these guys all the time, and I mean it. I We, we only exist – in a back office capacity to support you guys out on the road. And that's a hundred percent true. We are your support team. We're your, we're your fire squad. You're, we're your, we're your support to you guys are like the infantry, right? We're the, we're the, we're the, we're the back of the back of the frontline support. I mean, that's just what we are. And, and uh, actually we had a guy today that he was carrying an oversized load and um, I spent the majority of my day, um, working out an insurance issue that we had. Uh, we had a couple of, we had, you know, the overhang with the oversized load and he was in the middle of Dallas, man. And multiple vehicles clipped the oversized load going down the road, believe yeah. it or not. Cause he, and, yeah. uh, but that's what we're here for the capacity that we exist in. We are here in the back office to support those guys out on the road, a hundred percent. And, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't terminate everybody. You got to train people. You got to incentivize them. You got to, if for some reason there's something wrong, maybe they don't understand your expectations. Maybe you weren't clear enough. If there's an issue within the company, you got to own it, man. You know, yeah. it's, it's you got to figure out what you did wrong. I tell my so, clients all the time. I'm glad you said that, though, because they'll call me and say, oh, this guy did this. And what should I do? I'm like, well, it's your fault. You didn't train the guy or you didn't explain the expectation. You didn't have a clear understanding of what was expected. You didn't understand the job description well enough or you said it somehow whether it was training or whatever, 90% of the time it's because, you know, I failed the, the guy. 
I didn't train him. I didn't set him up for success. I put him in a, a position where he wasn't capable of, of coming to the, you know, the table and making it happen. And sometimes that happens. You know, it's rare that the guy, it's really just his fault. I mean, that does happen too. It's insubordination. Guy's just an asshole. You can train the guy to death and do everything right, legal, moral, and ethical, and the guy just fucks up, you know? So that does happen. But one of the questions that I wanted to, to switch over and ask you is, what do you think has been your biggest challenge or obstacle to overcome since you started? What's been the biggest, you know, oh, fuck moment? How are we going to recover from this? Or, you know, that whole, uh, what's that, the Tiger King guy will never financially recover from this? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I think you already know what my answer is. It's our insurance. Yeah. Our, dude, I messed up our insurance bad. And I want to say this publicly because I don't want anyone else to make this mistake. Do not, if it's yeah, your first year. Really good information. I hope I might even take this as a snippet just for this one piece and throw it out there by itself because this, I didn't even really think about this because it's never happened to me. But when you called me and told me, I believe, you know, this is how the, 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 the big P, we'll say P company, insurance company with a big P uh, operates. And it sucks, but I've been in challenges similar to this, but not this particular one. So go ahead and explain the situation. Okay. Well, let me just say this. Let me look into the camera as I say it. If, if, if you are going to just have one truck for the lifetime of your company, do a paid and full policy. It only makes sense. You're going to save a lot of money. A lot of money. If you are a millionaire, do your policies paid in full and grow your company because you'll save a lot of money on your insurance policy. Right. If you're like me and you don't have a millions of dollars of capital lying around to scale your company in the first couple of years, do not, let me say this really clearly, do not do a paid in full insurance policy because it will limit your growth. We could have been at 15 trucks six months ago, no doubt, because we have a scalable model. The only obstacle was our insurance, and it almost made us go bankrupt. Um, and so what happens is whenever you sign up for your insurance policy, we started out with one truck, and I'm like, oh, we get like a 30-some percent discount if we paid in four, whatever it is. I can't remember exactly right. what it is. So it, with, with, you know, with, with one truck, it was like, well, it took it from $12,000 down to like like – or wasn't quite that much. It was like 10,000 or something like that. And then they said, well, if you pay it full, it's $7,200, something like that. I can't remember. Well, the exact who wouldn't want to save that money, right? You know? Makes sense, right? Makes sense. The problem is every single truck that you add now, they want you to pay in full the first 30 days. So before I knew it, we were at seven trucks and I didn't catch it quickly and enough. I still to come thinking we're going to do a monthly, we switched over to the monthly payment plan, you know, yep and the bill never comes and then when it finally does come you're like eyeball shock so tell people what happened yeah they hit us with a $35,000 bill three months in a row right? right so for three months in a row we got like a uh, our lowest one was $26,000 so the first month I'm like holy shit $35,000 how am I going to come up with $35,000 so I just man it was like it was pinching pennies I had to inject a ton of my own money um, um, we, we were like this close to shutting down the company and selling off all the assets. And I'm like, you know, let's just get through it. So we got through it. The next month came along. I kept adding drivers cause I didn't, I forgot. I'm like, we're in a paid in full policy. I'm just concentrating on business growth like an idiot. And I keep adding trucks. So once I realized what was going on, we got the insurance paid down. Um, you know, we are now going to a pay, uh, they call it a 10 pay. If you're, right. if you're new in the insurance industry, it's a, it's a 10 pay. So over 10 months, you pay on a monthly, a monthly with a down payment up front. So right. that's what you need to be doing. You need to do a 10 pay. Most, most insurance companies in your first, second year, third year, won't let you do an 11 pay. 
But uh, so you get on the 10 pay, pay every month, that type of thing. Do not, if you want to grow your company and add trucks, do not, do not, do not. <laughs> don't do a paid in full policy. Yeah. I'm telling you, it, so it, it's a quick way to failure. What he's basically saying is that because he paid that first policy and saved all that money on that one truck, when he scaled and they said, okay, you know, it'll be the, the, the premiums where you pay it monthly, they wouldn't allow him to do it. And not only would they not allow him to do it, now he's got these trucks and he can't take them off because he owned them, right? So explain that. And if they're lease trucks, you can just put a lease cancellation and take them off. But if you go out and buy the truck, they won't let you take it off. So you're screwed, basically. It's like pay the money or you're out of business. Or you got to go find well, another insurance company and they're going to put it on your credit or whatever. So it's definitely it, well, it's, a huge it's, problem it's, to overcome. It's a huge problem, whether you own the truck, actually, and if you have owner-operators. That's If you brought the owner-operators into the company and they're on your insurance policy, what are you going to do when you learn that you got to pay them full for the whole year, whether it's seven, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 for their truck and trailer and them as a driver? You know, you're looking at typically with our insurance, it's like seven to $12,000 a year. Um, right. If they got a bad record, it's more than that, obviously. But um so they're going to hit you with that bill in the first 30 days. You got to come up. You go, what are you going to do? Charge your driver $12,000 or terminate them? That's what right. we were up against. But we were able to make the payments. I don't know how we did it, but we we paid in full on every single month and we kept the good drivers and we never had to terminate anybody over insurance. But yeah. And you know what? Whew, I think that's what I was like. rough. I thought we'd probably become really good friends, man, is that you just owned that and you were like, fuck, you know, this sucks, but I don't want to go to these guys and. <laughs> And, and be a dishonorable person. So you tried to keep the ethical, but you, you know, you definitely were like, I, how do you see that coming? You don't think that that's a thing. No. And why would that even be a thing? It sucks. But man, these insurance companies are just something else. And I tell people all the time, they're not your friend. They're not in your, to, be, to help you. You're a number to them. They don't give a shit about you. And if yep. you fail tomorrow with a 150 truck company, they don't care. They'll just go get yeah. another. They don't care. And people don't think, yeah, they- you, know, you think your agents out there to help you, you think progressives, your friend or whoever, and they don't give a shit. They really don't. Because I've called them and be like, look, I'm going to switch. And I pay you, you know, hundreds of thousands a year and I'm leaving. They'll be like, okay, fucking leave. You know, they like, don't care. They don't care. No. So it is what it, it is. is. So, but that, that's, that was awesome that you were able to overcome that. You know, that really, it, it, it definitely, you know, holds true to your, your culture and what you're going to do. And you're going to do some big things because that was a huge obstacle to overcome. So that, you know, it, that thing, other things compared to that are like nothing, you know, because that was tough. That was really tough. I mean, we were already not very profitable. And then all of a sudden, once we start becoming profitable, because we're adding more trucks, right? The insurance is like, you know what? We thought you you thought you were going to make some money, but we're just yeah. going to go ahead and take we're all that. Take it all. <laughs> so now you've so. learned from your mistakes and all that profitability went out the window. And now you're back to, you're getting everything figured out. You're on the right track. You're profitable. Shit's working out. And you're growing. You're going to grow like crazy. You're going to blow this thing up and blow the roof off of it. So, you know, I'm glad that you reached out to me. I'm glad that I could have been a part of it to help you guys, man. I really am. We definitely want to see you guys do some big things. You know, we're always here for you. So what last little tidbit could you leave the people, man? Not very many made it 54 minutes in. You know what I mean? They're probably already gone. The attention <laughs> okay. of a lot of people is very, very small. So. That's okay. I'll send it to my grandma. She'll watch it. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> so, um, that, that's okay. No, I'm if I can give any guy that sticks around for the whole thing when I sit down and watch one, because I want to see what they had to say. If there's that little piece at the end, you know, that little bit of caviar that nobody caught, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, my I, I, I think I have two things. All right, don't do a paid in full insurance policy. 
<laughs> I'll just, I want to, I got to say that again. I got to say it again. Um, the, the, the other big thing is make sure that you're not afraid to have those difficult conversations with the people that work on your team, right? Make sure that, that expectations are understood. How do you know what the expectations are? If you don't know, you get a mentor, right? That's what you have to do. That's, that's my biggest piece of advice. Hire rock star, hire rock star players on your team and have, have the expectations plainly laid out so that they understand it and have those difficult conversations. That's the best advice I can give anybody besides the, 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 the framework of, of, of the business itself. Just generally, that's what you have to do. Set those expectations, hire rock stars, make the expectations clear. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely end on that, man, because I'm 100% in belief. Just hire the rock stars, have very clear, clean, concise expectations, and then, you know, it's not weird in the end because you're like, hey, I fucking told you not to do that. (laughs) I mean, I didn't want to say it like that, but that's exactly right. I mean, that's that's the truth. a little bit more abrasive. Sometimes my wife's like, man, you're an asshole, and people still don't care. They'll come to work for you. I'm like, well, if I'm an asshole now, I don't have to be an asshole later. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. No, it's okay. Yeah, no, it's a, I wasn't sure if I could cuss. I wasn't sure if I could cuss on your video stream or man, not. So I, I, felt- I don't give a shit. <laughs> this is made for truckers and brokers, and I've been cussed out by grandma truckers and brokers. I've Good. The little ladies delight. So they those those grandma truckers cussing you out will keep you very honest. Yep, exactly. Well, hey man, I want to thank you so much for coming on this channel. It means a lot to me, man. I know you didn't really come on here and just to, to help sell my programs, but just to be a testimonial as to what we can do and how we can help you grow. And, you know, if it's been of any value, you know, and I like people to be honest, man. I, I think you were very honest. I think it was a great, great time. Man. I look forward to it. doing another one. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And we're hiring right now too. So Did I lose you again. Damn it. No, no, I got, I got, okay. I think I'm still in the stream, the stream. So um, we're hiring right now, guys. <laughs> so look us up. KYTruckingLogistics.com. We're on Facebook. Um, Ironwood Transport, we are looking for hotshot and semi-owner operators right now. No company drivers right now, but we are looking for... Um, Lost you again, man. I don't know okay, what happened. That's okay. Hey, I'm I was back. holding it down. I, I, had a, I, I was holding it down. <laughs> but anyway, man, so, hey, I just want to thank you again for coming on. Hopefully, we can do it again in the future. It was really good. Uh, I really appreciate it, man. I really do. All right, man. No problem. Uh, thanks for having me on. It means a lot. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, brother. All right, we'll catch up with you. Appreciate it again, man. Thank you. See you.